Hello friends, welcome to the Reality Roots podcast with me, your host, Hillary. Uh, welcome, so glad you could make it today, wherever you are, to be listening. As ever, I am excited to be here talking to everyone. I do apologize in advance if my furnace turns on. <laughs> what a crime to be warm in the podcast world, I know. Um, yeah, sorry. It's kind of hard to find a quiet place in my house. Not in the usual sense. (laughs) Usually you can find something that's pretty quiet, but in terms of, uh, you know, that podcasting white noise that we all hate. Well, actually I don't really even notice it (laughs) half the time in podcasts I'm listening to, but if you are kind of one of those people that's like sensitive about it, I'm sorry. I do like to be warm and my child's sleeping, so I'm a little bit limited in where I can do this uh, right now, and I really, because I am who I am, I (laughs) just really want to get these out on Tuesday. I don't want to make anyone wait, so here we are. Welcome. Uh, We are going to talk today about another Sally, Jesse, Raphael We're going to go back. I have a feeling we're going to visit Sally quite a bit. For one thing, there are many, many, many episodes of Sally, Jesse, Raphael that are up on YouTube. Also, I know that they're all from the 90s without having to try to figure that out because Sally, Jesse, Raphael was only on in the 90s. I don't think she made it through the millennium, so that is easy. It's easy to find and not have to really dig and search and make sure that we're in the right time period. So that's good. And you know what? I don't really mind Sally. I mean, (laughs) I can't tell you how infuriating it was to watch Jenny Jones. I know I keep going back to that, but that was, uh, oh my gosh, I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. Oh gosh. Um, so yeah, Jenny Jones was kind of a nightmare to watch. It was a nightmare to take notes. It was, a nightmare to absorb that that happened (laughs) to people. Uh, Sally, I think, has kind of, like, slightly better intentions. (laughs) It seems that way. I don't know. I was kind of thinking about it today. I think Sally is probably... I'm going to just go out and say this without even really fully thinking it through because it's pretty late right now. But Sally, I think, is probably the only mom Jenny Jones doesn't seem like she has kids. Ricky Lake seems like she might have kids, but she's giving me that kind of new mom energy. Sally, I mean, we met her son in one of the previous episodes that I recapped, so we know that uh, her son has grown up. She seems more understanding, (laughs) I guess, than the other hosts that we've watched so far. I mean, Jerry, I mean, sorry, Jerry Springer is also pretty understanding, but we... I think it's going to be pretty hard to find, like, family-oriented episodes of Jerry. Also, I will throw this in here. How did we get here? (laughs) Well, hopefully you stumbled on my podcast and that's why you're here. But why am I here? (laughs) Part of what led me here, part of what um, helped me choose this topic of revisiting these old talk shows was I don't, well, I do now, but I didn't know how to use Plex. Mm, My husband set it up. 
And one day, finally, I was being brave. And I was like, you know what? Let's give this a shot. I think I probably had something in mind I wanted to watch. But I turned it <laughs> I think I turned it on. And it just popped up with, like, playing now. Sally, Jesse, Raphael, jump in. And I was like, yeah, I'll watch that. And it was kind of... I hope I can find it. That's my... I don't want to say too much about it. Because my dream is to find it and talk about it. Because I had... I just had a lot to say about that episode. And then I was like, maybe... Um, you know, maybe this is kind of a good topic for us to go back and look through. I don't know of anybody else really talking about these things, but in that episode, it just, it brushed up a lot against, uh, some love language things, (laughs) topics, I thought. Of course, they didn't say love languages. I don't think love languages was a thing, or I mean, maybe it was a thing, but I don't think it was as well known as it is now. I'm a big love languages person. I'll say that right out. I think it's really, really powerful and helpful, and it has helped me in my life, not just with my romantic relationship, but also uh, my relationship with other members of my family, for sure. Uh, Definitely dissecting reality TV. It's like, there's a lot of, ah, I'm like, aha, as soon as it's like, once you get it, you get it, I guess you see it, and you can't unsee it in a lot of situations, and it just... It just unlocks a lot of things, or that's not the best way to put it, I guess. I always say that it's kind of a, it's a really powerful lens that you can use to look at different situations in a different way, in a, in a deeper way, I think. So this episode, we're kind of getting closer to that, <laughs> at least than we have been so far. This is called Troubling Behavior, do, do, do. and the screenshot that they took was kind of, I don't know, it was kind of perfect. It was the one kid, we'll get to him later. Oh no, we'll get to him first, actually, it's Matt. And right away I was like, that kid looks like Jeffrey Dahmer. <laughs> Within the first five seconds of this episode, they were like, he's just like like Jeffrey Dahmer. <laughs> so um, whoever picked that, I don't know how, I, I'm not even going to pretend like I know how that works. I don't know how that works. Whoever did that screen grab uh, for that episode kind of nailed it. Anyway, this is about step families. Also, before we dive into the episode, okay, another one of my obsessions right now is Sister Wives. I did some plugging on a Sister Wife podcast this weekend, so if you're listening, like if you found this because of that, welcome. I'm so glad you came. Thank you for checking it out. If your name is Amanda or if it's Jody, then I'm sorry and thank you and please forgive me because it's no disrespect on your podcast. Your podcast is like my favorite podcast, so... I definitely don't want to offend Amanda and Jody. And also, uh, if you are not aware of them and you found this podcast, I don't God knows how, then you should definitely check out We Love to Hate Everything with Amanda and Jody. They've kind of moved on to YouTube now, but they still have the podcast and support them. Please, they are fabulous ladies who I have a lot of respect for. Anyway, uh, sister wives. So (laughs) this last, okay, well, okay. (laughs) I don't want to make it a sister wives podcast. If you know, you know, I guess, but 
Sister Wives has Robin, the quote-unquote favorite wife. She's the most recent wife, like the younger, hotter wife, which is kind of funny now, 10 years after she joined the family, because now she they all kind of have a similar aesthetic, I would say. But, I mean, everybody just... Oh, God. I ugh, I just had a birthday, so I don't want to think about it too much. But God knows we are all probably looking better at 30 than we are at 40. That's just normal. Ugh, even if I don't want it to be. Not me. Sorry, not me. I'm going to look like I'm 20 until I die. <laughs> That's my plan. And I'm sticking to it. Anyway, uh, Robin was like a later addition to the family. Like I said, she was kind of the younger, hotter wife if you want to put it like that, and so far, just since she joined, which has been the same show, we hear a lot of, like, well, the wives are jealous, there's jealousy between the wives, there's jealousy between the wives, and now, this last season, Cody kind of popped up, that would be the husband, um, popped up and said, well, you know, my kids were also jealous, or there's a lot of jealousy amongst the kids, yes, that's normal, right? They're kids. They see a new mom. Uh, dad's giving her attention. She brought kids into the family from a previous marriage, plus they had their own kids. So yeah, I think it's pretty normal for kids to feel jealous. And that's where the whole thing broke down for me because it's one thing, like if I'm in a relationship with my husband and I agree, like fully agree to bring another person into the marriage, another woman into the marriage and then I turn around and start acting crazy and I'm like well it's because I'm jealous no that's not okay (laughs) because I'm an adult and I consented to that situation and I I should have imagined that I would feel jealous and you know that's that's one thing to kind of turn around and complain about a situation that you created but none of the kids chose to have Robin come into the family asshole Cody like yeah they are probably jealous so what did you do about that like you can't just there are people in this world bless their bless their hearts (laughs) that will correctly identify an issue and then stop and be like well that's the problem they're jealous they're feeling jealous okay, so what did you do as their parent to try to better that situation so that they wouldn't feel jealous or how would you help them work past their jealousy or, you know, what, what action, what action did you take to correct the situation or to mitigate the situation that you created? And I do find that well, not, I guess, like, third party, I mean, you know, from watching these things, it does seem like there's a lot of blended families that are, like, blending a family is hard, it's like, yeah, that's true, did you have a plan, or did you think about what you were gonna do now, are you thinking about what you can do to alleviate the problem that you created, or no, it's just, like, yeah, they just, I don't, I don't think they're happy, they're probably not anyway I probably should have tried to bury the lead or something this is it's a pretty good synopsis I would say of where we're going but I do kind of like these families there are some of them that really kind of stick with me honestly I got sort of sad thinking about one of them after I finished just (laughs) 
just thinking about her, I just was, I was really, truly, genuinely like, wow, I really hope that Nancy's okay. Like, (laughs) of all the people that I've seen so far, I guess, since I've been doing this podcast for the past hundred years, uh, (laughs) just kidding, um, I definitely felt, like, genuine care, (laughs) I guess, for Nancy's well-being, and I hope that someone helped her, and I hope that she's okay. So, our first family is, this really messed me up. I think, I'm not going to go back and rewatch it, obviously, but I'm pretty sure that Sally messed it up at first because I'm sure that, uh, maybe it was just the way the Chirons were. I don't know. Anyway, I won't even get into how confused I was. I wrote the wrong name for a lot of this, but I also, I was too lazy to write the full name, so it kind of worked out in a weird way. Uh, but anyway, so our first fam family, if you will, is Cheryl is the stepmom. Christine is her daughter. So that makes her the stepsister. She seems like an, she seems like an adult. I think she is an adult. At least that's the impression she gives. If she is a teenager, she looks mad old for a teenager. I'm pretty sure she's not a teenager. Uh, Steve is the dad. He has a mustache that looks like a triangle. (laughs) If you needed to know that. Uh, And Matt is the stepson in the situation. He's 14 years old. Right away. Like, (laughs) I immediately don't feel bad for spoiling this episode at the beginning with the Dahmer thing. Because it's pretty much the first thing Cheryl tells us. Is that she thinks Matt could be the next Dahmer. First of all, everybody in this whole fucking family looks like Jeffrey Dahmer. So I don't think that helps. <laughs> like, it's just the way their faces are. <laughs> Maybe it's like that 80s uh, vibe, I guess, that they're all giving. But you all look like Dahmer. So, I mean, you look... Anyway, he looks a bit like Jeffrey Dahmer. And then, I don't know. Not, <laughs> I don't think he is Jeffrey Dahmer. I don't think he's a serial killer. I don't... I don't, I mean, I don't know him personally, but I, I think he's probably just a mixed up kid, but, um, anyway, they just, I think he visibly looks like Dahmer a little bit, so that's not probably helpful for him. <laughs> and he's acting like Dahmer, I think as well. But also when you really look at him, the thing is, is that he's a big guy. I mean, for 14, he looks like he's at least as, I mean, he looks bigger than Cheryl. He looks bigger than his stepmom for sure. But when you really look at him, it kind of breaks your heart. (laughs) Broke my heart because you can just see he's not fully grown. Like he's got these sort of awkward proportions. Like his hands are too big. Everything's just like a bit too... I don't know. It's just, he's just not grown into his body yet. It's really, really clear. Um, if you really look at him, if you look at just his face, then that's one thing. But if you actually look at his physique, he is visibly 14 years old. There's no other age that like your hands are too big. <laughs> like all your body parts don't match the right sizes. It's just really awkward proportions. Okay, so my furnace just kicked on, so I'm really sorry if you can hear that. I tried to listen back to see if it was really noticeable. I'm sure it probably is, but not in a way that I could really hear. And also, I just really want to do this podcast. I'm so excited, and I don't feel like it's going to get any better uh, timing-wise, at least for a while. 
I am so sorry about my furnace. Ugh. Anyway. Well, Matt is definitely 14. Cheryl's ages. There's no, oh my gosh, Cheryl's accusations. I don't know how old Cheryl is. Don't ask me. <laughs> Cheryl's accusations um, is that he leaves dead bugs outside the door for her to find. It's kind of weird. I mean, it's weird. Don't get me wrong. Um, I would be weirded out <laughs> by that. Uh, she said she like he's she's like hundreds of dead bugs that he's lined up <laughs> for her, and they're like decapitated. It's weird. I'm not saying it's weird. She just kind of <laughs> blows past this and like as if we're not going to notice. She's like, oh yeah, and when he was in the detention home, he went and was talking about all this, how he was going to murder me, and he went into all this grisly detail, and I was like, wait, he was why was he in a detention home? Like, <laughs> go back. That's not normal. Mm, I wonder what's really going on, right? It's like you come in hot with a Dahmer accusation and all these dead bugs and stuff, and it's like, you be- we better have some real shit to back this up because, I mean, he's just a kid, and I don't know where we're supposed to go from there, really. So he... Oh, that's the other accusation is... Okay, so these are accusations. He kills bugs. He talked about how he was going to murder her, which is not great. I'm not saying that's great. It's definitely weird. I would be upset for sure if I heard, well, I don't have a stepson, but if I can imagine I had a stepson and I heard about how he, like, in vivid detail wanted to murder me. I'm not saying I'd be psyched about it. It's bad. Uh, And then her next accusation is that he gossips about them, (laughs) which seems like a weird place to go after we talked about all the murder <laughs> the descriptive or the murdered murderous descriptions I guess that you know she says something to so-and-so and then he goes and you know she says something about her I don't know she gave a stupid example it was like oh if I said something about Chrissy's skirt Chrissy is I think her stepdaughter who's there so if I said something about Chrissy's skirt then he would go to Chrissy and be like oh mom was talking shit on your skirt <laughs> it's like First of all, don't talk shit on your kids in front of your other kids. Step one. Step two is just, I don't know. It's, again, it's not great, but I I think there's worse things that you could do. Sally even says, she's like, well, it sounds like he's acting out, but Dahmer seems a bit of a stretch. And Cheryl's like, no, his psychiatrist says, his psychiatrist said that there's only a few people he's talked to in his career that have really, truly scared him, and Matt was one of them. He is scared of Matt. She has this accusation that he's killed hamsters, which probably, I would have, I would have ranked that, honestly, above the gossiping, (laughs) personally. Uh, It's kind of more of a, a red flag. There's this moment where, like, they even correct him. I feel bad for this kid. He's like, no, when dad was my age, he was even worser. And they're like, oh my God, worser. (laughs) Again, let's prioritize what we are here for. (laughs) We are here because you said he's going to be the next Jeffrey Dahmer. But you do not hesitate to correct his grammar. Okay, Just just a quick temperature check on where we are on all of this. It's, I don't even know, it's unclear what the temperature is. 
they do ask her, well, okay, they ask her about this detention home. Okay, so why was he in a detention home? Well, he was in a detention home because he threatened suicide. Okay. Well, (laughs) Sally's like, well, if all of your accusations are true, like killing hamsters and, you know, vividly describing this murder and things like that, it seems like it's more serious than the Sally Jesse Raphael show. Maybe he should be like institutionalized or like, that's the thing is that Cheryl wants to have it both ways, right? She wants to be like, he's the worst kid and it's not my fault. And it's just because he's like a terrible kid at heart. He's just criminally insane. And they're like, well, maybe you should uh, address that. Like if you're criminally insane to that level of like a Dahmer level, maybe you should be committed and they're like well no (laughs) it's just him like I don't know it just doesn't make any sense I don't really understand I don't understand what Cheryl wants I wonder if Matt understands what Cheryl wants Cheryl says that the psychiatrist the psychiatrist who was so scared of Matt said she she was so scared and uh uh, what was the other thing she said? He was psychotic. I don't know if I said that, but they had said, oh, she said he's psychotic. Uh, that psychiatrist recommended a residential treatment, but it's a lot of money, which is true. Like, that is sad. That makes me sad about the American healthcare system that you feel like you can't get the help you need unless you have a lot of money. I am not convinced that the residential idea was really what should happen, though. This psychiatrist, we have, like, big... We're going to put some big question marks next to this psychiatrist. I feel like it's maybe a psychiatrist that kind of... Okay, I'm not against psychiatry. Like, don't get me wrong at all. I'm not against it. I just do believe that there are any doctors. I think some of them can just kind of buy into their own shit, like, too much. (laughs) Where it's, like they just see everything through the lens of their own specialty and sometimes it's just not an applicable lens I don't think so I don't know if the psychiatrist has really been helpful she's oh the other thing with the residential thing I get well okay this is what it is I think they don't say it but from what I can glean to commit him like that they would have to pay a shit ton of money because it would be privatized or they could sign custody over to the state and then the state would have to pay for it on their dime, which they're presenting as a solution, I guess. But Sally's like, there's no way to help this kid without giving up custody. <laughs> Sally's like, it just seems like so extreme. Uh, Cheryl says she's called every congressman to get this fixed. Cheryl, the calls are coming from inside the house literally like don't I don't know it just seems like a huge waste of time to be calling congressmen I have a I don't know I'm kind of halfway in this because I do understand as a parent like I definitely get it (laughs) you're like what else can I do but I don't know there's more book like if you could find a different psychiatrist or like I don't know it just seems like there's it just seems like calling every congressman about your misbehaving child isn't the right way to go. I don't see that a congressman is going to solve your problem. Cheryl and Steve, they say, have been married for three years. Um, Chris says, counseling has really helped us see what's wrong here. <laughs> By that, I think he means Matt, <laughs> because that's the only thing they're bringing to this show, right? 
helped you see what's wrong here, but you don't... Okay, what? What's wrong here then, Chris? Jesus. They're like, well, he was watching slasher movies at nine. I don't even... I don't care about that. They're like, it's terrible. And he's like, lots of kids watch slasher movies at even five years old. I think, obviously, the truth is in the middle. (laughs) I'm sure... I mean, I watched, I think, really inappropriate things when I was nine. Especially back then. I don't know why it seems... It seems counterintuitive because it's like to rent a movie like that when I was younger. It's... Uh, I mean, I needed money or like some adult, an adult had to approve that at least on some level, like the person at the video store giving me the video in exchange for money. But somehow it felt like there was less supervision <laughs> back then. I don't know why, because access was more difficult than it is now. Now you could just turn on Netflix. And if you really wanted to get to something, I feel like you could get to something that was not age appropriate. But honestly, back then, it seems like it was worse. It felt worse. (laughs) Uh, Chris? No, I wrote... Oh, I'm sorry. It's because I messed up their names at the beginning. So I might have said Chris earlier. I did say Chris earlier. Sorry, it was Cheryl. If I say Cheryl... Or if I say Chris, I mean Cheryl. Sorry, (laughs) I messed up, quote, is it Chrissy and Cheryl's names at the beginning? And I was legitimately confused because... At first, the way Sally presented, at first I thought Chrissy was Cheryl's mom. And I was like, first of all, she looks younger, which obviously she is because I had that backwards. And also I was like, why are you bringing your mom here? (laughs) This is not, this is not the place for your mom to be. But then it was her daughter. Anyway, I probably messed that up. I apologize. I feel like this is not my best foot forward. It's because I actually have a lot to say about this episode and I'm just too excited I'll try to calm down and collect my thoughts, even though I did write all my thoughts down ahead of time. (laughs) Seems like it wasn't enough. Anyway, uh, they're like, what are you going to do, Cheryl? Are you going to leave? I don't know. Cheryl's like, I might leave four years until he's 18. Seems like a long time. Cheryl, that's dumb as fuck to say because being a parent doesn't like actually end when you're 18. (laughs) You still have to parent. You just won't be you know, responsible maybe for his day to day, but I feel like he could still cause a lot of issues for you even after 18. So probably just leave or address it. I think it's my advice to Cheryl 30 years ago. And then Cheryl says, it's one of these questions where I I hope that the moment after these words left her mouth, she was like, oh shit. (laughs) I feel like we all have these moments, but she was like, why should we let a 14 year old ruin our security and our happiness? Because, Because Cheryl, it's because you are the adults responsible for him. Like, what are you talking about? Why should we let him ruin our happiness? Like, he he's part of your family his his happiness should also be your happiness that's it's because it's your responsibility it is your legal responsibility it's your moral responsibility it is your ethical responsibility that is why that's the reason because steve is his dad and that's his only dad and you guys have custody of him so now you have to dad. <laughs> this this is what's happening. 
Steve is like, I think Matt wants, just wants me all to himself. He wants all these other people to go away. You know, that's what he wants. He wants Cheryl to leave. So it can just be dad and son time all the time. Uh, yeah, Steve, duh. That's fucking obvious. (laughs) So obvious. That's what every, that's the thing. Every kid wants that. Like, it's obviously not realistic that you're going to be 100% of the time around your child, especially at 14. I don't think Matt wants that either, really. Let's be real. At 14... I think you probably want some private time. I just winked. <laughs> this is a podcast, but I just winked. I think Matt probably does want some time to himself as well. Uh, it just seems like he's not getting the time with his dad. Steve seems very passive. And he says, I feel like I'm in the middle. And this is my whole take on this family. I think Cheryl has a naturally dominant personality and I think Steve is naturally very passive. I think that's really the heart of the problem because you are in the middle, Steve. Yes, there are two people who love you who both want your time and attention. That's why you feel like you're in the middle. One of them's not getting enough and I have a feeling that even if Steve does try to sort of do the right thing or try to listen to Matt or... Any any solution that I think Steve is really putting forward is probably getting just bulldozed by Cheryl, <laughs> who seems very, I don't, just naturally controlling. I don't think she's like a control, I don't know, I don't want to, I'm like that too, so I don't want to throw stones from my little glass house over here, but I think Cheryl is just a little bit more domineering and it's not working because it's preventing Matt and Steve from really conversating when this other person is just continuously butting in, that's my take on this whole issue. Apparently, they've been, I guess, punishing him. They've been trying to punish him, and one of these punishments is a five hours in a corner, which isn't great. Sally keeps harping on where they keep... I do really appreciate Sally, but this This is like fucking journalism... 101. Give Sally, Jesse, Raphael a posthumous, even though I don't think she's dead yet. Give her a Pulitzer. <laughs> she's not letting these people avoid the tough questions. She's like, well, who, sorry, did the psychiatrist tell you to put him in a corner for five consecutive hours as a punishment? <laughs> and they're like, well, you know, he said to punish him and he said, you know, we can't beat him and, you know, blah, blah, blah. And she's like, so she did tell you to put him in the corner for five hours or no? (laughs) I feel like it was probably no, right? (laughs) And they keep like, I don't know, they keep just talking around it. And then eventually, guess what? It comes out. No, nobody told them to do that. That's kind of an aggressive, not aggressive, but it's an excessive kind of punishment I mean five hours is a long time that's like I mean you get a break at work right? like, don't you get like a mandated break for like four and a half hours or something I don't think you can do that and they're giving him like four to five punishments per day here's where I showed my love language this was the moment because four to five punishments per day I was like My immediate thought was that if... I bet if Steve said four to five nice things per day, even with the punishments, right? If he found four to five nice things per day, 
to say to his son, I bet this could really turn around. <laughs> like I said, that's my love language because I am a words of affirmation person. So if I was in Steve's situation, no, if I was in Matt's situation, four to five nice things per day said to me from my dad, I, it'd be fine. I, I guarantee you any misbehaving would have stopped immediately. <laughs> would have been, I would have been over the moon to get that. But I don't know. Maybe that's not. I'm, I don't really have any evidence that that's also Matt's love language. So that's kind of just me. But I do feel like this is in Steve's hands to turn it around. That is true. <laughs> Regardless of whose love language is what. Cheryl, again, what a weird move. Cheryl then outs Matt for bedwetting? This is a 14-year-old, and she's like, you still wet the bed. <laughs> like, what the fuck? That's not his fault, first of all. Like, that's not... I mean, I guess he, unless he's, like, purposely just pissing in his bed in the morning, so she has to clean it up, but I don't think so. Even Matt is like, I haven't done that since I was 12, and I was like, that's also not great. I mean, people... It happens. I'm not saying it doesn't happen, and I'm not saying it's 100% of the time trauma-related, but... I think it's a I think it is a lot of the time trauma related. So I don't like that she's so mad at him about it. It's not a crime. It's a red flag of something else. And even oh my god. Even if it wasn't a red flag, it's not something that's really under his control because he's asleep, you bitch. Like what <laughs> I don't know what she's what what? Like I, I don't know if she's pulling it out. I think she's trying to set up like a what do you call it? The something something triad? I should know that. I listen to a lot of true crime too. Sad. I want to say Donaldson triad, but I don't think that's right. Some kind of triad, right? Like hurting animals, starting fires, wetting the bed. She doesn't have any fires, but she's like, he's killing bugs and maybe a hamster, question mark. And he's bedwetting. And that's why he's Dahmer. I don't, I think Cheryl's just a bit too much. Here. Oh, <laughs> Sorry. I just have to go back for one second when they were talking about the five-hour punishment. Cheryl did... When when we finally pushed through to an actual, like, Sally Jesse Raphael's literally like, yes or no. It's a yes or no question. Did they tell you specifically to put him in a corner and sit there for five hours? And Cheryl says, they... No. No one specifically said that. <laughs> I laughed so hard. It wasn't funny. Like, the situation is not funny, but... To hear a grown adult say pacifically instead of specifically, it did make me giggle. There's some audience members. The audience members, like, came prepared. I don't know if Sally got, like, the Psychology 101 class came for, like, a field trip to her show today. But we got some pretty astute questions and astute comments. The first of these... I guess it's more of a comment. The audience member is like, well, it seems like he acts out and then you act out and then he acts out and it's just like a vicious cycle of acting out, which makes sense. Yes, five hours is too long. <laughs> I think that's what they were kind of, you know, okay, so he did something. I can't, They did say, but I can't remember what it was to get in this five-hour timeout. But he did something to get the five-hour timeout and then they overreact by over-punishing him and then he reacts in turn because he feels like he's not being treated fairly and he acts out again and then that just pushes them to one-up their previous punishment and I think that is really why this is spiraling 
as it is. An audience member, I really liked this. This was a good question. An audience member is like, Matt, why are you doing this? <laughs> great question. Great question. Like to ask, not, I mean, obviously it's an obvious question, but to specifically ask him, like nobody's asked him yet anything about how he's feeling, anything. Like, why are you doing this? Cheryl tries talking over his answer. Anytime, this is why I concede <laughs> that there's, this is the problem in the community. This is Cheryl's contribution to the problem is Cheryl is not letting people talk to each other. She's talking over them. She's answering for them. No, <laughs> just let it, I think Sally's like, no, just let it, I want to hear it. Like, let him talk, <laughs> Cheryl, butt out, shut up for two seconds. If I can let someone else have a feeling. Matt says he doesn't like how Cheryl acts like she runs everything, doesn't like how she treats him. I mean, she probably does. <laughs> I think, like I said, even just from, like, from the impression we got from Steve, which is very passive, anytime he gets a question, he's like, oh, I don't know, oh, I don't know, he just seems really not disengaged just passive like he's just not the kind of guy that's gonna jump up and like fight for something or have a strong opinion about anything so I think yeah I'm sure she does act like she runs everything also I mean they say this as well but if Steve's at home she does run everything that's the flip side of this is Matt you are 14 and the adults in your life do still run everything and it is normal to push back on that but the adults have to keep you in your lane and they do have to give out punishments appropriate punishments (laughs) for what you've done I don't know Matt just needs a dad he seems not happy he needs a dad that's like a dad (laughs) not just gonna let his new wife you know dictate everything or talk over everyone his complaints are dumb but they're like regular 14 year old dumb complaints like we have to hear them if he doesn't feel heard I think that's why he's acting out or that's part of it right the counselors that they have also I want to say sound like they're parenting a different age group like I wonder (laughs) I wonder if they left a digit off his age when they were talking to this counselor because you know Cheryl's like well the counselor said you have to give clear consequences you have to give them immediately you cannot let anything go if he does something wrong you have to punishment punish it and I yeah I get like yeah that is good advice when your kids are younger (laughs) because you it is it's more confusing for like a three four five year old to be like oh today I hit the cat and nothing happened, but yesterday I hit the cat and I got in a lot of trouble. I got yelled at. Like, that's confusing (laughs) to know where the line is. But at 14, I think he knows where the line is. Like, I don't think, I don't think punishing is helping. Like, what are you, hmm, I guess you're trying to give a consequence, but I'm just not sure what you're trying to communicate specifically he knows what's wrong. Like, he knows that what he did is incorrect. So, I just... Mm, it's hard when kids do, like, purposefully bad things like that. You kind of have to look underneath. You do still have to give a consequence. Don't get me wrong. But I think it's probably more important to look underneath. Because uh, it's not a lack of information. <laughs> it's not a lack of him not knowing. Or it's not... 
it's not that he doesn't know what's wrong or not wrong. That's not the problem. Cheryl says, well, we went, we went everywhere. There's no chemical imbalance. There's no physiological reasons. This is what I mean where Cheryl wants to have it both ways. Like, if he's as bad as you're saying, then he probably has a chemical imbalance. No, he doesn't have a chemical imbalance. There's no physiological reason. Okay, so go back to where you were before. Then, <laughs> then, it's, then it's a you problem then, I think. Uh, we get these little facts when we cut to commercial breaks. Fact. One of three Americans is a step-parent, step-child, or step-sibling. I had to put a big question there because I was like, if you're a step-sibling, are you not also a (laughs) step-child? I couldn't, maybe it's me, like it's Monday and I'm kind of stupid on Mondays, but I couldn't think of a way that you would be a step-sibling and not also yourself a step-child. But the Step-Family Association of America wanted to include that third option. (laughs) Okay, uh, we get into our second case, case, family, case study. Sally brings us into this, which is saying, what do you do if you marry the man of your dreams only to find out he has children from a previous marriage? Sally, that means he wasn't the man of your dreams because you didn't know everything about him before you got married. That's, I don't think that's even what happened. It just was such a weird way to put it where I was like well that wouldn't happen you it like contradicted itself in the middle (laughs) part of it anyway we have Colette who has remarkable hair Colette's hair is remarkable it's huge it's so big and it's everything in theory that I want my hair to be but then when I look at it I'm like yeah no I don't want that (laughs) it's like it's too perfect it's like too blown out it's too big. It's too everything. But if if Colette was a cartoon character, I think it would be really good hairstyle. Lonnie is the husband, the da- the bio dad, if you will. Lonnie's a smoke show. Honestly, the first time I watched it, I don't even think I took in one thing that he said because I was just looking at his face and how perfect and beautiful it is. <laughs> He's so gorgeous. He's got... A beard. It's like a good beard, though. It's not too long. It's like well maintained. He's got this cool rainbow shirt, but it's got that weird 90s part at the top. It's not like a regular collar shirt. I don't know when regular collar shirts became regular, but this is not what I would call that. It's like the buttons go all the way up to the top, and there's not like a fold over collar. Hmm, must have been an 80s or 90s thing. You don't really see that anymore. Now, if you said a button-up shirt, it would automatically, I think, have a collar on it. But this doesn't have a collar. It's like a priest shirt. <laughs> it's not right because he doesn't have a collar. Uh, yeah, I don't know. It doesn't have a fold-over collar. Anyway, I've already... Oh my gosh, you can tell I'm tired because I think I just spent probably 45 full seconds talking about something that I don't know how to describe. Uh, they're there with their two, with Lonnie's two daughters, 13-year-old Nancy and 15-year-old Chrissy, but we focus a lot on Nancy here. We don't really hear much out of Chrissy, but she's there. I'm glad, honestly, I'm glad that she is there for Nancy and that Nancy didn't have to do this by herself. <laughs> she had her big sister there as backup. 
Lonnie is gone. Lonnie works a lot. It's not clear what his job. It kind of sounds like maybe it's like construction or something like that. Maybe in that ballpark. I don't know. But he he's gone thirty two about thirty two weekends of the year. He says, which is a lot. Weekends are you don't understand about weekends until you have kids. I didn't for sure. <laughs> oh, I was so carefree and just like yeah, whatever days don't matter. <laughs> weekends whatever but when you're like by yourself like not by yourself because you're with your kids but when you're by yourself with your kids all week and then you're like yay my partner's coming home and then they are not there because of whatever work or I don't know any reason it just feels like a lot like it feels like kind of there's no end in sight or like there's no light at the end of the tunnel like weekends take on a whole new meaning when you're a parent at least for me they did and 32 weekends of the year is, that's a lot of weekends to be gone. Colette, I love the name Colette, by the way. That was another very thing of its time. I feel like women, Colette's age, we had a lot of ets. Ets must have been, <laughs> must have been in vogue, I guess, maybe, oh gosh, in the 60s, I guess, 60s or 70s. Colette looks like she's probably about 30, so... Yeah, I don't know. It must have. I feel like we went through a big phase as a society putting et at the end of women's names. Colette. Uh, she. This is where I think this is why we're on the. This is why they called the show. Like it sounds like it's kind of starting to escalate. Right, thirteen and fifteen year olds are starting to get bigger and cause bigger problems. Colette. Oh, they've been married for seven years and they had the girls for the last six years. So they actually, she says when they first got married, it was really just the two of them. And then they had the girls for six years. She has a five-year-old and a three-year-old besides those two. So that's a lot of changes, (laughs) I guess, post-marriage. Uh, anyway, now they're kind of bigger and these things are escalating and Colette had to actually call the police, I guess, because here's, here's what we get to summarize, (laughs) which is obviously not what I'm good at to summarize. It sounds like Lonnie's gone and Chrissy and Nancy are getting into sibling teenage girl fights, which are normal, but Colette when Colette is trying to address that or put boundaries on it, you know, they hit her with this, like, well, you're not my real mom. And she doesn't have anywhere to go from there. (laughs) So it's just escalating like out of her control because she doesn't know how to really put a cap on these sibling, like these sibling, probably relatively minor fights, but they escalate because there's no adult home who has the authority to end them or to fix it or maybe she just doesn't know how to fix it I don't know um but anyway so this last one I guess escalated and she wasn't even at home which first of all okay if neither of us are at home you can call Lonnie (laughs) this is not why do I have to deal with this situation I am at work like these are not my biological kids these are children that Lonnie I don't want to say like she shouldn't have responsibility, but they are more Lonnie's responsibility than hers, right? So if we're both at work, you can deal with it. At least that's what I would say if I was Colette. So they had one of these fights. It escalated to where there was a crowbar involved. Like Nancy hit 
her sister with a crowbar or something. And she was at work, so she was like, I can't help you right now. And she called the police. And when police start to get involved, that's when, you know, things are uh, falling off the rails, I think. That's probably what Colette and Lonnie think. God, Lonnie's gorgeous. Every time I say his name, I think about how beautiful he is. God. Oh, he looks really good. He looked good today. If you put him in a different like shirt that didn't have a weird collar on it. I wonder what he looks like. Hmm. Probably a silver fox or something. He looks good. Anyway, uh, Nancy also, yeah, it's not, kids don't re, like invent new problems. I would say on the whole, the problems that nine-year-olds have are pretty much the problems that nine-year-olds have. Um, Nancy also, maybe that was why I felt more bad for her. She does not look 13 to me. Again, maybe 13 was younger back then than it is now, but she looks more like nine. She just looks small and sad and childlike. She looks like a child because she's a child, I think is why. Uh, you know, she's like, you act like you know everything. Everything. <laughs> I don't know. They. I don't think Lonnie and Colette are really bad parents. Like, it's just, I think the not being at home because she kind of turns around too she's like well she's like you act like you know everything uh to what's that to Colette and Lonnie is like well I don't think she's being unreasonable well that's a little bit later I guess well we'll get to that but anyway you act like you know everything we're gonna hear that a lot from Nancy I don't think she's really can she's just she's just too young to be able to, you know, put her thoughts all together. But that is honestly what I like about these episodes is things like that. It's like Nancy doesn't know how to filter herself or how to self-edit, I guess, uh, to make herself come off a certain way. She's not savvy enough for that. So you get these really, like, honest moments. I do, I do. That seems like an honest moment. of like, you act like you know everything. Oh, just takes you right back to being 13, doesn't it? Apparently, we learned Colette helped Lonnie get custody one year into their marriage, which could be taken a couple of different ways because it sounds like they weren't in a great spot with their mother. But also, um, maybe don't say that. <laughs> maybe don't say that you helped Lonnie get custody because I'm sure that to Nancy and Chrissy, that sounds like you helped him take us away from our mom. <laughs> I don't think that's going to score you a lot of like stepmom points <laughs> for your kids or for your stepkids. Uh, now they have the three and a five-year-old as well. And Sally makes a really good point. This is why she makes the big bucks, guys. She says, what, was it right? <laughs> like, was it correct to take custody and then not be there for 32 weekends per year? <laughs> Great point, Sally. That is, I couldn't have said it better myself. That is a good point. He kind of tries to make it not, he's like, well, you know, this job, this job has only been like that for maybe the past year. Before that, first of all, one year, it's like, what 18 percent of the time period that we're talking about <laughs> like one year out of six years is actually kind of a significant number of years I think but um anyway before that he's like before that you know they were living with Colleen and then it was too much for her to handle so I had them move out move out to Portland with me and I was like why are you in Portland <laughs> it sounds like him and Colleen don't even live together full time 
let alone being gone on the weekend so much. I feel bad for, oh, I said Colleen. I should have known it was Colette. Sorry, Colette. That sounds like a hard life for Colette. I don't know. I don't envy that. Three and a five-year-old. Uh, three and a five-year-old and your husband lives in Portland? Or, like, far from you? Not at home? Somewhere where he spends enough time to rent an apartment? <laughs> and then, even when he's sitting there, he's like, well, I got an apartment, so we'd all have... In Portland, so the three of us would have somewhere to stay. And then I'd get home from work super late, and there were problems. And eventually, we got evicted for those problems. <laughs> it's like, do you hear... Okay, so even maybe, so it wasn't like that since before the past year, but also in this time period where you're saying it wasn't as bad, you were getting home super late and they didn't have any other parents at home. Yeah, I bet they were acting out because they wanted you to come home and see them. They kind of pinpointed as like, I mean, they, we know this anyway at this point, but they're like, well, Nancy's really the problem because she resists. Lonnie sounds, again, I don't think he's an, he's definitely not an idiot anyway. Um, he's like, I think Colleen is fine. Like, I don't think she's out of line with what she's telling them, which I don't think so. It doesn't seem like Colleen is like an evil stepmother. I think she is probably in line with what she's saying. But then Nancy kind of turns around again and she's like, how do you know? You're not there. <laughs> it's like, yes chef's kiss out of the mouths of babes like just listen to her you know kids are difficult to figure out <laughs> in these cases like how do you know how do you know you act like you know everything and it's like yeah she doesn't believe that you guys know anything because you're not there like you're not mm, I think that's the problem I always say that I think that's the problem sorry <laughs> just oh problems abound obviously that's why we're on the Sally Jesse Raphael show I guess uh, another great point from the audience is that it sounds like the kids have a lot of turmoil in their life <laughs> and especially like maybe they didn't use the word turmoil but basically Cheryl was it Cheryl? Cheryl and Colette both of them are like well if this doesn't change I'm just gonna leave um that's probably doesn't feel great <laughs> as a kid when someone's trying to convince you like that you should respect them as your mother, but then also you want to pull the card of like, well, I could just leave at any time. <laughs> it's like, so you're not a mom then. Like, don't, don't act like you're their, like you're just as good as their mom because a real mom would never say that. <laughs> you can't just give up. It's not an option. Like, ever. It's just not. It just seems like Colette has given up. I do, again, I do think she probably gave it her all at the beginning, but she's only one person and it, was a difficult situation to start with and then they added more kids to it and it just got even worse I mean imagine this is what really broke my heart about Nancy is imagine you get taken away from your mom maybe that's not it sounds like that wasn't a good situation we don't get a lot of details on that but obviously if a judge agreed to take two girls away from their mom we know that's not statistically a usual decision for a judge to make so obviously there was something else going on with their mother uh, so you get taken away from your mother and put with this other woman who's nice enough, but then you see she has her own kids, like a three and a five year old, and she loves them. Of course, like she loves them like her kids because they are her kids, <laughs> and you're like, oh, like you must know that it's not the same. At the end of the day, and then it's like, okay, you get to you get your dad, but he's not here, so 
what I don't know I just I can see why Nancy's pissed <laughs> it just sucks like that that would be hard for any adult to like live with not that obviously an adult would have to live with their parents but like even if you had the maturity of an adult I don't really I don't know how you reconcile that of just being like well some people have it better than I do and I just can't feel as jealous or upset about that it's <laughs> a big ask for a 13 year old we get more facts. Facts. This one I called BS. Six. It said sixty. This is from that other thing, the American Association of Step Families or whatever that bullshit was. This is how we know it's bullshit. It said fact. Sixty percent of all first marriages end in divorce, and I was like, no, I don't actually think that's true. <laughs> like immediately, I was like, I'm pretty sure that's not the stat. No, I looked it up. I looked something up, guys. Aren't you proud of me? I looked it up, and no, 41% of first marriages end in divorce. 60% of second marriages end in divorce. So, no, not a fact. Maybe it was different back then, but I don't know. Maybe it was different in the 90s. I 20% seems like a big... I mean, if that's, if it used to be 60% and now it's 40%, we're doing great, actually, with marriages, if you really think about it. But I don't, I think it was always 40%. I don't know. I don't know where they pulled 60% out of. And then we get another fact. The number of stepchildren grew to almost 40% from 1980 to 1999. What does that mean? Now I'm looking at that. I don't even know what that means. The number of stepchildren grew to almost, like, of all children, 40% of all children are stepchildren. I mean, that actually kind of does back up my, my earlier stat of, uh, percent of first marriages that end in divorce. 40% actually does, I guess, I mean, if, yeah, that, I think that only solidifies my fact as being correct at 41%, not 60%. That's fucking crazy. Um, Sally, Jesse, Raphael's like, 13 is not a child anymore. Nancy, what do you think? And Nancy says, again, what she's been basically saying, when my dad's not home, I feel like I'm not with my own family. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I don't get to see my mom. My dad's not home. And Colette tries to boss us around. And yeah, that's kind of the crux of the whole problem, isn't it? Colette does try to boss you around because she has to, because that is the task that she has been assigned <laughs> in life right now, is to be responsible for you and bossing you around in a sense, you know, I mean, in the way that parents kind of have to boss you around, that's their job. But it's not really Colette that, Colette's not responsible for the other two, like not seeing her mom and her dad not being home. <laughs> it's just kind of like Colette's the only one of those three people who's there with them. So she's kind of taking the most shit. I think it would be really shitty to feel like a guest, especially as a child, to feel like a guest in your own home permanently it just that sucks that's not healthy I think that's why she's mad <laughs> I just like I think that's the problem anyway they're kind of Sally's like okay well let's address each of those problems one by one dad can you be home more and again I don't know what his job is I don't know what Lonnie's job looking hot I think no I don't know it must be something else <laughs> um could you be home more well not really it would require me to move. Okay, okay, I'm going to try to put this in my own words. 
like my own own words because <laughs> I'm hoping it'll be clearer but at this point I'm not sure that that's true but basically he Lonnie's if Lonnie were to get a job that would be more money where he could support the whole family that would require them to move away from Colette's job and not only does Colette it sounds like she owns a business maybe I don't think she wants to give that up first of all because I don't think she wants to give that up because I think it makes her happy second of all she does kind of make a point about like well how am I supposed to be giving up my access to independence to go be a stay-at-home mom and look after kids all day I don't think I mean it doesn't sound like she wants to be a stay-at-home mom I don't think there's anything wrong with being a stay-at-home mom I love uh, I like to think I'd like being a stay-at-home mom I don't actually know if that's for me (laughs) but I mean lots of people love it I don't think Colette wants that so for Lonnie to not have to work all the time he'd have to, how is this even less working that also kind of is a big question mark for me it's like so you're gonna make more money and be home more but then Colette can't work because it's like the geographic area where you are maybe if we had more details we could fill this in a little bit I get that Colleen doesn't or Colleen Colette doesn't want to give up like that independence of course it makes sense I mean it's smart to not put all your eggs in the Lonnie basket but I don't know and then again I I do again as a parent I have kind of heard people say that before and like other parenting things that I listen to of like well if it's that big a problem then you should maybe move and if you can't move for your job you should find another job I mean what's the most important thing is your kids and it's like yeah yeah (laughs) that's true But we aren't, I mean, I think we're all making as much as we can money-wise. Like, I don't think my kid wants to be poor either. Like, there's a fine line of having to balance, like, you know, needing to make money and needing to be home. I get that. I don't, I'm not saying Lonnie has that balance, but I can see that, you know, not everyone has the privilege to be able to pick and choose what they can do um, to make adequate money to support their family they kind of say that the bio mom like at the bio mom's house there were no consequences they started counseling sally jesse raphael's i don't know why i don't know i should just say sally it's because i'm not sure like should you say sally jesse because that sounds i can't say sally jesse without saying sally jesse raphael it's either it's all or nothing baby sally's very sweet i don't know she just it was very sweet with Nancy where she's like, oh, you know, counseling is good. You could have someone to talk to, even if it's just someone to talk to and kind of hear your side of it. That's great. You know, you should do that. And she's um, being supportive and stuff. Then we get an audience member. I called him Professor Pretentious. He comes in. I don't know if this is scripted. This is either they either somebody gave him this note and he studied it he has stu- he has looked at nothing else for the past 10 minutes and has studied every word on the page so he wouldn't miss a single one it's so unnatural how he speaks he starts right out they're like cut to the audience member pass my mic first of all he's dressed like a douche like a like he's dressed like professor pretension i think he's got like a turtleneck and a blazer on or something really stupid he says this is verbatim. I made sure, guys, to write this down verbatim because it's just 
you'd never believe that somebody uttered these words out loud without reading them off a page, which I'm about to do. Says, with more than 50% of all marriages ending in divorce, you'd think that an individual needs their space. Now, you as step-parents, have you tried to give your stepchildren space? (laughs) Okay. Um, Yeah, I mean... Also, not. I don't even feel like it was great advice because, yeah, I guarantee you, as a parent, <laughs> I guarantee you, <laughs> parents give their kids space, <laughs> especially if it's problems. Like, Colette has even said, I don't want to come home after work. Like, yeah, she's giving them space, I guarantee it, because she probably feels like if she didn't take space for herself, she'd go crazy. So I feel like that's probably not... The problem. Also, the bigger problem seems to be presence of parents at home with their children. So, yeah, I don't know if giving them space is going to work out. And also, somebody does have to discipline. Like, it's fine to say, oh, well, make sure you give them space. But if your kid is... <laughs> if one kid is hitting another with a crowbar, you can't just be like, well, I think Nancy just needs some space right now. <laughs> like, I mean, maybe she does. But... Yeah, that's you know, that's not how you can't just let things slide because people need space at the same time. This is all this is this whole episode is just if I were going to put in a nutshell like what makes parenting different difficult. I think we've touched on most of these issues. Steve says, "Well, we'd like to give Matt space, but he doesn't want to earn it." And Cheryl's like, "Well, we'd have to trust him to be able to give him space." I kind of I don't know. I kind of get that. And then Matt comes in so hard, he's like, to Cheryl specifically, he's like, why won't you let me talk to my mom? Yikes, we haven't heard that. We, I don't feel like Matt has gotten enough time to talk because it just seemed like it came out of nowhere. And that seemed like a big deal. Again, yeah, if he thinks that about you, Cheryl, then he probably is really pissed at you. And that's probably why he's leaving dead bugs out for you. Uh, everyone just explodes about respect right now. Talking. Cheryl's... Oh, sorry. <laughs> Mixed up their names. It's not Cheryl. It's the other one. Cheryl's daughter. I don't care about her name right now. The daughter. Out of nowhere pipes up. We haven't heard from her at all yet. But all of a sudden she's like, yeah, he says all this weird shit. He told people he has plastic testicles. He told people we have three bodies buried in the backyard. I want to go back to the plastic testicles because I don't even understand what that is. <laughs> like why you would say that or how it would come up. It's definitely a weird thing to say. I just wonder about the context of what it actually was. <laughs> Do they even make testicles out of plastic? You know, you hear about guys losing testicles to cancer like testicular cancer and stuff but I've never heard of like a prosthetic I don't think I have heard of a prosthetic testicle I guess you could oh I have actually it's in Angry Boys Angry Boys is a really great mini series I think anyway it's maybe a little bit controversial in certain ways but at its heart, I think it's good. Anyway, one of the characters um, loses his testicles to a gunshot wound, and I think they do talk about getting him a prosthetic set of balls. I mean, jeez, I don't know. I'm sure it exists. If it's plastic surgery and it's possible, I'm sure you can get it if you really want it. They 
Steve says, this is kind of telling. Steve says that the judge won't give the mother even visitation, which again, I was like, I don't know what's going on with the mom there, but that's not great. And then who knows what anybody else says because Cheryl just opens her big fat mouth and talks over everyone so he can't hear anything other than her stupid opinion. <laughs> it's not stupid. It's just it's like too much, Cheryl. Just let other people talk. An audience member who is beautiful, by the way. This girl, I can't really describe it because she's just, she's a classic beauty. I looked at her face and I was like, holy shit. You, if, if you saw her today in like looking exactly like how she looked in 1990 whatever I don't think you would think she looked like she was from the past she just looked pretty and it looked like she was always going to be pretty she says you another great point the audience members man giving it to her they're like do you hey Steve do you ever have one-on-one talks (laughs) um or any of you like do any of the stepdad or do any of the bio dads have just one-on-one talks without the stepmother there at all because that seems like it would be productive another audience member astutely says and it wasn't really a question but said oh, you guys need to learn to talk to each other and not at each other which is kind of soundbite but it's also basically what I've been <laughs> kind of saying as well it's about communication and Cheryl's just plowing over everybody with her big stupid mouth there's an audience member. This was actually my favorite because <laughs> she seemed like she had no fucks and she was the opposite of pretentious in every way. She was just like, I'm here with my opinion. She's like, personally, I don't think killing bugs is a crime. <laughs> I know this feels like snarky. Like, I wonder if she's like, fuck bugs. <laughs> bugs are gross. I don't want them here. Um, Cheryl butts in saying, yeah, but, like, he describes killing in detail. Is that okay? And the same audience member who wasn't done with her question. Again, Cheryl, big fat mouth Cheryl, just talks right over her question without even letting her finish, which I don't, her question wasn't even for her. Um, But she's like, well, you think, like, killing bugs is not a crime, but he describes killing. Is that okay? And the audience member's like, okay, so that means there's something wrong with him. Again, Cheryl, you can't have it both ways. Either he's fucked up Jeffrey Dahmer, incurable, or he's just a regular kid that is acting out because of your behavior or something you are adding to the situation. It's not going well. Can't be both. And then the audience member gets to her actual question, (laughs) which was to Nancy. And I guess it wasn't even a question. She's just like, I know how you feel. I have a stepmom. It's not great, but you should listen to Colette because she's the one putting food in your mouth and she's doing her best and, you know, she kind of cut it off there, but I kind of got the impression of that she was saying, yeah, like she's, I mean, she's showing up like this is really, that is the one of the three adults that has showed up for Nancy, right? So treat her with respect. Anyway, that's what the audience member is saying. We get into our third case, family case study family I guess Jeff with his stepson Chris so this one's a little bit different so the dad is the stepdad in this case it's not a stepmom and also the mom is no not here not here I and mean, if she would have been there from the way the rest of this conversation goes it would have been the whole episode about Jeff and Chris but <laughs> as it is we don't talk to them a lot 
Jeff's accusations, as they are about Chris, is that he is no problem cussing out me, is no problem cussing out his mom. He's like a lazy, unmotivated 17-year-old boy, it sounds like. He just wants to sit on the couch. Don't we all, Chris? Don't we all? <laughs> um, he dropped out of school. Seems like his mom is not a lot of help. Even he kind of says that. Like He's like, I guess because she had so many problems with my older brother that Chris popped up with like two problems at school. And she was like, ugh, just drop out already. <laughs> like, <laughs> he was like, that was kind of fucked up. Like, <laughs> Not a lot of stuff happened for her to just be like, ugh, I don't want to deal with it. Just drop out if it's a problem. Not a great mom. I don't... I On one hand, I wish she would have been there. And on the other hand, I'm kind of glad we didn't waste a lot of time on it. He's 17, but he's still a... Chris is still a freshman because his mom took him out because she couldn't get along with his teachers. So she said, fuck it, drop out. And then he went back last year, I guess when he was 16 and he failed... They were like, why did you fail? And she's like, I don't know, I just flunked. But like, yeah, probably because he hadn't gone to school for like two or three years before that, it sounds like. Probably that's the reason. (laughs) Uh, And then Chris is like, Jeff, you hit my mom. (laughs) I don't want to leave the house. I don't know if this, okay, again, the truth is probably somewhere in the middle, right? But he's like, I don't want to leave the house because, or no, that's not what he says. He says, Jeff actually wants me out of the house going to school because he wants to beat my mom (laughs) and when I'm home I put a stop to that or I don't take it so that's why he wants me out of the house this is another kid that you can see like it's 17 Chris sounds and kind of acts like grown up but honestly you can still see the 17 year old kid when he's like I don't know I just flunked (laughs) he doesn't have a reason plus his heart I feel bad for these kids like 17 is kind of a dicey age where it's like you're right on the cusp and you can be doing You can be really actively fucking up your life. Not permanently. I think you, I think Chris can turn this around with a GED and stuff. Like I think he's got a shot in life, but you can really make some piss poor decisions at 17 that have like big, big consequences on your adult life. And then we cut to commercial. This is immediately after, that was my own comment about how he looks grown, right? But realistically we just, uh, we just had this accusation that Jeff beats Chris's mom and we just cut straight to commercial and then we're not talking about it anymore. <laughs> we, when we come back, we have an audience question for Colette. Again, it's a good question. She's like, well, it sounds like these two middle kids are just fighting. By middle, I mean whatever, Nancy and Chrissy. Sounds like they're just sibling fights that you're not able to manage, but like what happens when your three and your five year old grow up and fight? And that's when Colette reveals that she has actually two older kids from a previous marriage as well. So there's six kids all together. And she's like, My older kids never did that. My younger kids are starting to now because they're learning it, because they're watching these older or like not oldest, but older siblings um fight in this way, so now they're starting to fight. But beyond these two kids, I haven't really had problems with my own. Again, I think Colette is a good mom. I think it's that extra layer of difficulty of the fact that these are not your kids, that they've been taken away from their mom. There's probably, I mean, there's got to be trauma. Like, it's, again, especially if if their mom is as bad as what uh, Colette and Lonnie are making out, then I guarantee you these kids had trauma. 
so maybe it's just like being a regularly good mom like I think Colette is <laughs> dealing with regular kind of parenting issues it's it's just not quite enough really to cover the extra level of difficulty with her two stepkids now we get Dr. Ruth Peters. At this point, I'm at this point in the episode, I'm usually like, oh good, the doctor's here, we're almost done. Um and I can see this episode is going pretty late. And it is late, and I'm tired. So I will try to but I am trying to wrap this up and not talk in circles, I swear to God. But this Dr. Ruth Peters, well, she's a family therapist. She calls I don't can you be a doctor if you're a ther- are therapist doctors? I guess. Okay. Um, she talks mad sense. <laughs> she just, everything, I don't disagree with her at all. The others, like, doctors, I guess, that we've seen on these shows so far have been big question marks for me. But Dr. Ruth Peters, she should have been Dr. Phil. Like, she she could have run her own show like this. <laughs> Honestly, she's, uh, she's not wrong. I don't think anything she says is really wrong. Maybe we'll question a couple things that are gray areas, but honestly, she seems correct. She's like, this is complicated. These are complicated situations. All of these kids have baggage that they're bringing on, and it seems like the baggage is just getting dumped on the stepmom, and that's not really fair. Like, (laughs) well, I don't know if it's fair or not, but uh, it's not working, obviously. Nancy, they say kind of where we got to... I think it was an audience question that kind of brought it up, but it's like she's, Nancy just needs help to deal with it. Like she needs help to deal with the situation she's in. She doesn't know how to deal with it. And now she's, she's pushing out someone who could really be helpful in Colette, who could be an ally to her. It's like, she's so mad about everything, like the whole situation she's in. She's just like lashing out at the person who's closest and it is it is sad because Colette probably could really be helpful but I don't think she's motivated to be helpful when she's getting just run over like this constantly Lonnie says that Nancy is the main problem again I'm like I don't as the father I don't know exactly what you're trying to sell me right now but you know he's like well she has problems with other adults in our family that she stayed with she has problems with the adults at school Sally's like yeah because she's the one who needs help (laughs) uh the doctor calls Nancy I mean sorry I'm gonna say that it sounds weird like it sounds rude (laughs) but she she's just kind of speaking more to like who Nancy is right every person is different that's the other thing every you know maybe another kid could deal could be in Nancy's situation and watch these step kids get the love and security that you wish you had in your life and be okay with it but Nancy's not that person (laughs) sees the doctor says Nancy's bullheaded ornery and stubborn she can't let it go and it's creating problems for her it's just it's kind of in her genetic disposition it seems like that that's just how she is and maybe Chrissy's just not like that she's it's more it's easier for her to let things go but Nancy's really struggling with this so that's why she's having problems and that's why those problems are bleeding over into every interaction with adult with adults in her life this is a kind of I, I'm so sorry I can see this is gonna be a longer episode I'm sorry but it's a it's a question of like equity versus equality right I feel like we don't talk about that enough 
but not everybody needs the same thing to get to the same place. Like an example or an analogy, I guess, would be like if there's a wall um, and a lineup of people, different people need different things to be able to see over the wall. That's like realistic. So equality would be like giving each of those people a stepladder equity would be looking at it and be like oh this guy is only a foot short of the wall maybe he just needs a little step this person is two feet tall so they need a big ladder to get over it this person is in a wheelchair so we're gonna have to come up with a different strategy for them right like different people need different things to get to the same place and Nancy just needs a little bit more that's what it comes down to you can't just take Chrissy and say like, well, Chrissy's doing fine, so why can't Nancy figure it out? <laughs> Poor Nancy's 13, and she's like, I don't know how to figure it out. Like, I'm sure Nancy doesn't like this either. I think she would figure it out if she knew how. She just doesn't, and she's not getting any help. So like, what else is she supposed to do other than act out and be ornery, I guess, and stubborn? They switch to talk to Matt, and the doctor, she just seems really, it's kind of a weird thing to say, but she's just... It's, it comes off as very sweet where she's like, Matt is fascinating. I like Matt. His MO is to, this is a good read. She says his MO is to throw people off by acting psychotic, but he's not psychotic. He's very, very smart and he just wants dad's attention and he's acting psychotic to get dad's attention because that is always going to work. <laughs> it's nothing else is working. She also says that she thinks maybe with this five hour timeout thing, Maybe they misinterpreted the advice. <laughs> she was like, I'm sure the psychiatrist said to give consequences, but the consequences have not been appropriate, so it hasn't been helping the situation. An audience member says that Lonnie blames his, blames his ex-wife. I'm sorry, that's my own note. And this is just today that I took these notes, so I'm not sure... I'm sure it was a good point because every other audience point has been good, but it's to the effect, I believe, of like Lonnie is blaming his ex-wife, but then you're also moving them everywhere. <laughs> you sound like, like he moved them to Portland and then they got picked out, kicked out, and then he moved them to like his parents' house or something. He said like, again, I don't think the constant moving is going to help because I think it's like a, I don't think Nancy feels secure. I don't think she feels like she's part of a, a secure, stable family. So moving every five minutes to be constantly with different family members in different configurations is probably making it worse. We have another commercial break and we still haven't talked about that Jeff guy beating his wife. <laughs> I just want to say, we like, <laughs> that guy, Chris threw out that accusation and we moved on. <laughs> it's done. Anyway, when we get back, from this commercial break, now we're going back to maybe it was a weird editing choice or something, but I don't think that's true because the doctor's out there now, so that wouldn't mm-hmm. See in reality TV now they can edit around these things, but that wouldn't really make sense in this case, which means we really did just blow right past it, do a full other segment on <laughs> the other people, and then now we're gonna come back to it. So when we do come back to it, we come in hot. Like <laughs> someone Sally must have been like, oh shit, I forgot to talk to them. And she's like, so Jeff, you're beating your wife. Tell us about that. <laughs> like, what the fuck? 
oh, these are where these episodes get silly. That's wild. Jeff just denies it. And I could tell he's lying because he says he has a tendency to lie. And I was like, I don't even care what the rest of the conversation is. If you said that, I swear to God, you are the liar. (laughs) Nobody says that unless you're trying to make somebody else out to be a liar. Chris is like, I'm lying. So what, I just beat your ass for nothing? (laughs) Which is great. Chris obviously is like, yeah, you were beating my mom, so I beat you. But you're saying I don't beat my mom, so why did I kick your ass? (laughs) It's like, I don't know, it's kind of weirdly funny. Obviously violence isn't not the solution, but I don't know. I believe Chris in all this. It just doesn't seem like... It doesn't seem like he's lying. He seems genuine. And then also Jeff is like, well, you beat your mom. And this is what makes me think that Chris is telling the truth because Chris admits that he pushed his mom to the ground. He's like, yeah, I did that. But it's because she was throwing a book at me. (laughs) Self-defense. Yeah, I grabbed her and I put her on the ground. And this is all apparently because he ate their dinner. (laughs) He's like, they went out somewhere between the two stories, I guess we could put together that they went out, the parents went out, not the parents, the mom and the stepdad went out somewhere and came back and Chris microwaved this food that was in the fridge that I guess was going to be their dinner. Uh, but he was going to eat it and he microwaved it and they came home and he hadn't eaten it yet. (laughs) He says it was just hot. It was like chicken noodle soup. It wasn't even like, Oh boy, if it was like filet mignon or something and you were like, oh, all day, I get it. There have been days where you're really looking forward to eating your leftovers and you get home and they're gone and you're like (laughs) enraged. (laughs) I do get that feeling, but don't throw your book at your kid and not over chicken noodle soup. Like just open another fucking can of chicken noodle soup, honestly. And then they got in a fight and it escalated. I mean, it's what it is, I guess. Doctor, this was a a weird gray area from the doctor where the doctor was like, honestly, Chris just needs to move out. Like, he's on his butt. He wants to watch TV. He wants to be on the couch. He doesn't want to go to school. He just needs to move out of the house. And I was like, well, (laughs) Dr. Ruth, I mean, he's still 17 years old. Like, he's still legally a child. I don't, I don't like advocating for 17 year olds to move out of their parents' house, if especially if they're not doing well. But the doctor goes on to say, you know, you're just getting in the middle of your... I mean, she doesn't say this exactly, but basically she says, she, you're just getting in the middle of your parents' shit pile, and you should just get out and, like, choose to go to school, is what you need to do. And that's where she kind of won me over, where I was like, you know what? <laughs> if it's really that dysfunctional... Yeah, I'll probably get out. I mean, I don't... It doesn't seem like... I mean, his mom's not even here. I, uh, that really bothers me that she didn't even show up. I guess she probably had work or something, and they probably didn't want to bring on just a mom and a son to talk about a step-parent not being there. Like, assuming one of them had to stay home. But, eh, I don't... I don't love that she's not there. You should probably be there. <laughs> um, And yeah, if... They're not, if everything's like a dumpster fire at their house, then yeah, they're probably not going to help you solve your problems or they're probably not going to actively make your life better. Maybe you should just move out. Like maybe just get a year jumpstart on putting your life back together as best you can. 
And by back together, I mean together in the first place because you're still a kid, officially. An audience question brings up, like, salary. Basically, we were talking before, kind of, like, salary versus giving your kids, like, work-life balance, I guess, is the official word (laughs) for it, right? Yeah, you can't not feed your kids like you have to have a job and you have to have a roof and stuff over your heads but you do have to give them the attention that they need and it seems like Nancy needs a lot of attention right now and I don't know if you can sacrifice that like on one hand you're like Blondie needs to do whatever so he can be with his kids with or without Colette like that was kind of my thought is like okay if Colette doesn't want if 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 the only way for you to be home more is to take a job in a place where Colette doesn't want to follow you, then you have to take that job. I mean, (laughs) it's your kids. Like, you kind of have to put your kids over your wife like that. But then at the same time, it's complicated because he has a three-year-old and a five-year-old with Colette, and I don't want to take their dad away from them either. This is why blending families is difficult. (laughs) This is is the real core of it. We were just like, yeah, it's, it just gets so much more complicated when you add in all these other factors, right? To try to make everyone happy and make sure this, and make sure everybody gets what they need to see over that wall. An audience finally, probably should have happened when she did it, but an audience member finally calls out Cheryl for like airing out this bedwetting thing (laughs) she's like you want to have a good relationship with him but you just brought him on tv and announced to the world that he wets his bed (laughs) like what the fuck is wrong with you why would that be helpful um that's actually pretty much the last thing that we talk about (laughs) which is sad poor matt just oh i feel bad for all of them i feel bad for matt i feel bad for nancy i feel bad for chris i i just it sucks when it's like, yeah, I don't think the adults in your life really thought this through enough <laughs> to make it workable, and it doesn't seem like they know how to make it workable, and I'm not 100%. I mean, they do want it to work, but mostly I think they want their kids to just conform and not have problems with the choices that their parents have made, which is just not... I don't think it's going to happen, guys. <laughs> I don't know. Hot take from... 30 years later. Dr. Ruth gives general advice about blending families. It makes sense. It's boring. Uh, Address it before you get married. (laughs) Yes. Assume that they will be there. Like, even if they have kids, but they're not around, assume that those kids will move in with you tomorrow because (laughs) it just will likely come up at some point. Like, you are going to have to deal with it at some point. And then think of them as like try to think of them as nieces and nephews which actually is I think that was solid advice it's just like your job as a step parent is to feed them make sure they're safe bring them to school if they choose to go that's what she says I don't know that's Dr. Ruth seems to feel like school is optional in a way that I don't but I mean bring them to school if they want to go and if there's problems then that should be the biological parents problem to deal with not yours as long as they're fed and safe, you're good. <laughs> That's all you need to do. And she's like, it honestly just takes a level of like, um, I want to say responsibility, but that's not really what I'm thinking. Just like personal investment, I guess, of being like, these are my kids and I have to raise them right. To just be like, you know what? <laughs> they just have to be alive at the end of today and not further traumatized by my actions. 
And, um, you know, she's like, uh, eventually if you do that, it'll just kind of seem like you are roommates. I guess that's what we're aiming for. I don't know how I feel about Dr. Ruth. Like I said, I, I, I'm on board with it. It's just some of it. I was like, Oh, if that's a hundred percent correct, but anyway, that's it. Basically, it's just kind of a hard end. They had a lot to talk about, I guess, so they have a lot of time for final thoughts. But uh, I do notice that as the credits are rolling, Nancy is crying, like kind of in a in a sad way. <laughs> I'm obviously crying, but not not like ugly crying or not like fake crying. Like she's kind of bent over with her head in her hands. She looks like. I want to say upset, but it's not even upset. She just looks like uh, she just went through a very intensive therapy <laughs> session, I guess. Like, what she kind of did. She just seems kind of overwhelmed with emotions. I mean, she's 13. She probably can't even process. Imagine processing all of these problems that we've already addressed with Nancy and then also airing them out on stage in public at 13 years old. Yikes. I really, really hope that Nancy is okay. Nancy, if you're listening... I'm giving you a hug virtually through the ether and I hope you get it and I hope you're safe and I hope you're happy and I just hope you're okay because this sucks for you. Uh, I do see Sally and Dr. Ruth are like counseling her and they're talking to her and they're kind of talking to the whole family so I don't know I hope they get through it. I hope that Matt didn't have to be institutionalized. I hope they figured that out. I hope his dad grew a set of balls, real balls, not even plastic ones, but like actual factual balls. Well, I mean, he has that. <laughs> I can't say literally, sorry, not literal balls. He has literal balls. Um, I hope he grows some figurative cojones for his son because his son just needs that role model. Anyway, I have already talked way too much about this. It's way past my bedtime. I'm so tired. But thank you. <laughs> thank you for listening to me. Thank you for coming. If you wouldn't mind, if you have an extra two seconds, which I feel like you probably do because this podcast is so long. But <laughs> if you've come this far, I feel like you probably have an extra two seconds. If you don't mind, please to just rate and or review and or subscribe. You have no idea what an impact that makes at this point in my podcasting career, it would mean so, so much to me. And thank you if you've already done that. Have a great week. I will talk to you again soon. Bye.